Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm Robert Brining, joined by Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, Jeremy, welcome, welcome. Jeremy, Jeremy, his here is here. <laughs> How you doing, man? Ow. I'm good. I'm good. Can I just tell you that that um, that that woman who announces, you know, five seconds to the show, three minutes to the show, that British woman, she's really loud and really shrill. <laughs> it hurts. It's like, oh my God, I've got to turn this thing down. Oh, is she really oh, the ears? That's funny. Yeah, she can be quite annoying. So, um, welcome, welcome everybody to the show. Um, welcome, welcome. Are, okay, are you evening. are you starting to work for Little Caesars or something? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm what's with all the repeating? So I'm just, what's I'm just with the repeating of the words? I don't know. Um, so I don't get it. I don't get it either. So, how you been? I've been good. I've been good. I've been really good. Um, let's see what has happened over the last. I started my new job on Tuesday, and I'm working from home. And I guess that's really the big news. And how do you like it? I love it. Are you kidding? Love it. So Monday, the, the tomorrow is my first official real working day, sort of. I mean, not not that the other days weren't, but I was busy setting up my, you know, getting all the equipment set up, and, you know, just getting to know the, the ropes, if you will. But, um, right. no, I'm, I'm really excited to actually start contributing and making a difference. So that's going to be fun. Doing what I do. Yeah, I think it's great. So how are you, Ben? What, what's been going on in your world for the week? I'm doing good. Um, you know, just kind of catching up and, and relaxing on, on a whole bunch of work, um, booking guests for upcoming shows, things like that, basically is what the, the last week has been. And actually, I went on a – no, actually, on Friday, I went on a school trip with my nephew. Uh, he's 11 you, you years old. You did what on, with your nephew? You did what? We went, we went to a school trip, me, me my school? sister, and him. Trip. A school trip. And where they had go? like a – they had um, it was the New Jersey State Museum. Don't waste your time. It was it was fun. I mean, it was it was I guess more educational. I don't know if the kids really got anything out of it. Um, they had a really cool 9/11 um, uh, tribute there, where they had like pieces of uh, the building steel, and then they had personal stories of the wall, the letters that people hung up of their, their missing loved ones, and really touching pieces. So that was very beautiful, um, and I thought that was really cool. Um, and they, they had a huge fossil section, which is where they went and had a tour. It was fun, but, I mean, being in um, a museum with, like, 60, 11-year-olds is really not fun. So that was something that I did um, this past week. But something more exciting that I did this past week is we launched, um, here at Pause I Am Radio, we launched um, the Red Ribbon Photo Challenge. And what we're doing is we're asking you to 
uh, go to the Pause I Am Radio show page on Facebook. And if you just go to Facebook backslash Pause I Am Radio um, and you upload um, a creative photo of yourself that has a red ribbon, um, a way that you're raising awareness using a red ribbon for uh, this year's first HIV AIDS Awareness Month this June, the month that we're in. So um, we want to do something kind of to spark a conversation in a different artistic way. So we want you to upload photos, and then um, the person with the most likes on their photos uh, by July uh, will win a really cool uh, prize. So go check that out on Facebook. So that's fun. We've had some really cool submissions, and Daniel Bauer just submitted his, like, minutes before the show, and it's really, really cool and captivating and what this um, challenge is all about. So check it out. Yeah, well, Daniel Bauer, um, I, I'm going to make fun of him for just a minute because uh, he, i got to tell you, he tells me today that he was spending several hours, if not days, taking um, sexy shots of himself for, for this red ribbon thing. <laughs> so I'm, I, I, I'm a little terrified to... to um, to, to, to be honest, because when when Daniel Bauer takes sexy shots of himself, it's usually not for, you know, public consumption. Is he even listening to this? Um, but, uh, oh, I see his name up there. So, yes, so he is listening. So, so, so when Daniel Bauer taking, you know, sexy, sexy pictures, uh, I, I'm afraid. I, I'm afraid for the general public, really. No, I think you should check it out. It's really, really cool. Um, he's actually uh, levitating a red ribbon between his hands, which is um, really cool in what he does. So, well, I what does he have the that. What does he have the red ribbon attached to? Look, people can go check that out at the page. <laughs> oh no, 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 don't, 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 Robert, don't change the subject. Is it is it appropriate for people under twelve years old to see? Of course it is. Well, that's a first. Daniel, you're disappointing me. So go to Facebook backslash POSIM radio, and you can actually upload your photo there and check out and vote on the photos that you like. Um, okay, I'm going, I'm so. going. I'm going over there right now. The POSIM <laughs> so radio goes. show. I'm, oh, there it is. I see it. There it is. Daniel Bauer is levitating the red ribbon for HIV Awareness Month. Oh. Yeah, so I, you know, so, that's what... Okay, let, no, 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 no. Let's, let's continue to talk about Daniel's picture. Well, we have our guest on the line, so I want to actually bring our guest so, on. So no, they can go look no, at the photo he's gonna come and worry on about and that. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, Robert. Huh, sheesh. Our guest will come on when, we, when, when I'm ready. Sorry, Kevin, but you're going to wait. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Daniel's, or... It's a good thing that he can't see me right now because I'd be getting the um, look of death. Yeah, you would be. Uh, let's bring our guest. <laughs> Kevin Maloney, welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. How are you guys doing? Kevin, we're great. Did you, did, you, did you see Daniel's picture? Yes, levitating the red ribbon. It looks amazing. Yeah. It looks really it cool. Does, it, it does look kind of cool. But yeah, Are you going to do one, the, Kevin? What's that? What does that say? Are you going to do one? I am going to do one. It's, give me give me the rest of this week, and I'll have one in. Daniel yeah, Bauer, escape artist, magician. Is, oh, I'm surprised he doesn't have 
um, illusionist there, but anyway. When is the close-off of this uh, challenge? The, the challenge is uh, you can submit photos up to uh, June 10th. After June 10th, June we're not 10th. taking any more, and then the votes will go until July, and we will announce the winner on the July 1st show here live on the air. And sure. it'll be a really cool little fun package that you'll win. So, um, submit your so, what, so Kevin, what, so what do they win? Kevin, it's a surprise. Robert? I'm not telling anybody what they win. It's a surprise. Oh, it's a surprise. Yes. So it'll be it'll be fun. So um, oh, that means I'm not eligible. That's right. You are not eligible as a part of the Pause <laughs> I Am Radio staff. We are not eligible <laughs> to submit photos. So, exactly. Um, <laughs> Am I eligible? So I'm I'm eligible. You're eligible, Kevin. Yes. Okay. So, Kevin, I'll send I am. In. Yeah, send something in, please. Um, I know you've been on the show before and uh, have shared your story, and and some people listening tonight may not have heard it before, or people who may listen later. So, I I kind of want to start with the beginning with you. Um, I want to talk about um, the day that you were diagnosed. What was that like? Sure. What made you go get tested? Well, it was um, the end of February of 2010, and, um, you know, I started feeling uh, really sick, and I had a really high fever. I couldn't get out of bed. I had uh, muscle aches, and um, about that lasted a couple days before I could actually get out of bed and make myself into a taxi cab and make myself, you know, and, and, and get into the doctor. And um, at that point... You know, my doctor said to me, he said, uh, well, this is just something bacterial. You know, it's not, you know, it's nothing, nothing, nothing else going on here. It's just bacterial. Go back home, drink water, and, you know, come back to me in seven days. And um, before my doctor uh, left the, the room, I said to him, could this be HIV? And, uh... He said, oh, no, I don't think it is, you know. We'll go ahead and we'll test for it anyways. He wasn't going to. I had to ask him to give me the test. And um, he did. And for about five days, I was waiting on the results and finally got the call on, a, you know, Monday morning at 9.30 a.m., Kevin, you know, the doctor wants you to come into the office um, to discuss your test results. So at that point, in that immediate moment, you know, I knew what it was. And, um, you know, I got into a, you know, cab and made myself to, you know, made myself, made my way to the office and, um, you know, got into the office and where everyone was very, usually very uh, friendly and hospitable and, and smiling, you know, they weren't, they weren't that day. They were looking down. They were kind of, you know, not sure how to handle me. And then I was kind of quickly whisked away into a room, into a comfortable chair and a sheet of paper laid down in front of me that said um, uh, DNA by PCR, HIV-1, whatever, reactive, you know. And um, and all my other tests, I, 
ever had, it was non-reactive. So I knew what that meant, and that's how I heard of my diagnosis, and that was on March 3rd, 2010. Now, you thought that for some reason that it made you ask the doctor, could this be HIV? Um, now, what made you think that? Was it something, were you having risky behaviors before that, or what would make you think that, that could, it could possibly be that? I was having, yes, I, I was, um, you know, I had an addiction to crystal meth, and I was having a lot of risky behavior, and I had all of my flu shots. So I knew in the back of my mind that this, uh, you know, it wasn't the flu. I had all my flu shots. How could it be? It wasn't bacterial. I kind of felt that in the back of my mind that this was HIV, and that's what prompted me to ask the doctor before he left the room for the test. And um, I kind of resigned myself to the fact that, um, you know, I was HIV positive on that day before even definitively finding out. That's interesting. So, so how did you? I mean, so Kevin, it, and just for our listeners' point of view, what was going through your mind when they brought you in and just sat you down? Um, what was? What did you think was going to happen when you walked out of the out of the uh, out of the doctor's office that day? No, I I didn't know for certain, but I was pretty certain that um, the doctor was going to tell me, Kevin, you've got HIV. And, um, you know, that is what wound up happening. And I left the doctor's office um, and called immediately my local um, ASO that I had been to before, previous for, you know, exams and other tests and stuff. And it so happened that it was right down the road from where my doctor's office was. Did your doctor give you any kind of information about um, what to do or what the next steps were or anything like that? No. He said, you've tested positive for HIV. I want to see you back here in four weeks. But I knew that this doctor was not an HIV specialist. He wasn't someone that saw HIV on a regular basis. And I felt after I had learned of that diagnosis that I needed to find someone, find another doctor that understood HIV and that dealt with HIV on a daily basis. And that's what prompted me to find the clinic down the road from where I was living, and um, they got me in the very next day and uh, did all of my blood work and, um, you know, then, you know, did all my blood work, like 20 vials of blood they took from me, and I went back a week later and they said, listen, you know, you're not, resist you're not resistant to any drugs. We'd rather see you start on 
therapy sooner rather than later. These are your options. And I took their advice and, um, you know, went on medicine right away. And and what medicine, and what, and, and let's talk about medicine for a minute. Um, what, when we say medicine or meds or, or therapy or, or, you know, highly active retroviral, uh, retroantroviral therapy, what are you on right now, if you don't mind sharing? Right now I take uh, Truvada and Icentris. And uh, so I take Truvada once in the morning and I take uh, one pill of Icentris in the morning with my Truvada and one pill of Icentris at night. So I basically take regimen. three pills a day. I'm on that regimen too. Are you on the same so- one? The same one, but I take all three of my pills at once. And one doctor told me I could do that, and another doctor told me not to. And oh, I think I you need a third opinion. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, majority that, rules. That makes sense. Yeah, majority <laughs> rules. Yeah. No. Um, I would. I would rather take both at the same time. I would rather yeah, wake I'm up sure. in the morning and take my Truvada and two isentrous pills. But now, what, how long ago were you diagnosed? So it was uh, March 3rd, 2010. So it was, I say, two years and a couple months. Two and years. that was when I was diagnosed with uh, HIV. And um, I went back a month later for follow-up labs you know, at the time when they took all of my HIV labs, that whole entire, like, 20 vials of blood and all the panels and this and that, they did take a hep C, hepatitis C um, blood test. But um, I was told that, oh, that test got lost. That test, you know, the refrigerator broke down and that test was lost. So when I went back a month later, they had to repeat that test, the hepatitis C test, and what did you um, think about that? I was like, "You lost a hepatitis C test? How did you lose a test? You know, your your <laughs> your you know your your refrigerator broke down. I mean, I have a refrigerator that's been going for twenty five years. You know, like how did your refrigerator break down and you lost this test? So, so I was like, okay, whatever. You know, redo the test." take the blood, you know. And um, they called me um, a week later, and they said, uh, Kevin, you've uh, tested uh, positive for hepatitis C. And that diagnosis threw me for a loop because I thought to myself, hepatitis C? Who the hell gets hepatitis C? Pamela Anderson has had hepatitis C. Naomi Judd or whatever Judd, you know, she's had hepatitis C. And Naomi, is it? Yeah. And I'm like, hepatitis C? What the hell is that? And that threw me for a loop. It's like someone kicked me in my gut and I, like, fell to the ground. And that, in that moment, 
was worse than hearing that I had HIV. So, so uh, I, I just want to um, ask you, you know, and, and you can say that you don't wish to answer this question. That's okay. Um, but were you in? Were you? practicing any of the behaviors that would expose you to hepatitis C? I was never an intravenous drug user, but I did have an addiction to crystal meth. And I was uh, snorting and smoking crystal meth, which would increase your risk of acquiring hepatitis C but so you, but you were also having a lot of unprotected sex. I'm assuming. Um, not a lot, but, but, but enough. Yeah. But enough. Enough. Yeah. Right. Hold on, it takes one time. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what I want to, I just want to mention that um, that not only you know, and Kevin and 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 Robert and, and a lot of other folks know this, but I'm also hepatitis B positive. So knowing that hepatitis C is also now they're starting to see that it's, it is a sexually transmitted disease, um, especially when engaging in anal intercourse. And, right. um, and as you have anal intercourse, now not, that's not to say that every time you're going to have anal intercourse that you're going to be exposed to hepatitis C, but um how, how personal do I like get on there? Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, there are some there are some folks who are into fisting, and when you are in fist, when you when you are fisting, there is a greater chance of, of tears and and exposure. Um, but as in that that seems to be the majority of the folks uh, on the gay side. But um, also when you are having unprotected anal intercourse because the anus is much tighter. Well, mm-hmm. mine isn't anymore, but um, anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> but uh, when when you are engaging in anal intercourse, there is that there is a high chance of um, of tearing and uh, blood exchange um, mm-hmm. between the the insertive versus the um, the uh, the receptive and, and vice versa. So so anyway, right. I, I just wanted to give that little classification, you know. So I've never I've never fisted or been fisted, but oh um, really, Kevin? There's always a new experience <laughs> for everybody. Um, but traditionally have been have played the submissive role, and you know I really feel that um, when I uh, contracted the HIV. I contracted the hep C at the same time. As my doctor says, it's very possible that the hep C piggybacked onto the HIV. Absolutely. And and that's what I feel happened in, in, you know, in my case. Right. Kevin, after your, I guess we can call it dual diagnosis, how did you find support? Was it easy for you to reach out and find other people who were living with HIV to support you? Or what did you do to find support? Because it's only been two years, and you, you're doing a lot now. So how did you find the support in those first, you know, early days? Well, you know what? Uh, when I was diagnosed two years ago, it was a 
wake up. It was a, uh, what would you call it? It was a uh, time in, in one's life where you stop, you pause, and you reflect on what the hell was I doing? What have I been doing? And that was my rock bottom, whereas some people may have may say that, like, they overdosed on drugs. That was their rock bottom. Some people might say that they went into, you know, they, they you know, went drank themselves to death or whatever. That was their rock bottom. My rock bottom was finding out that I had HIV. And so what wound up happening, what was your question again? How did you find support? Like what oh, the you do support. support, yeah, yeah. So what wound up happening is I'm like, holy, you know, crap, this is my rock bottom, um, and I really need to, to get a grip on my life. And um, I Googled all kinds of things. I found out that there are these rooms that you can go to in New York City called Crystal Meth Anonymous, and um, you can go into these rooms you can share your story. You can be amongst people that understand what you've been through, what you're going through. And that's where I found support. I found support in Crystal Meth Anonymous rooms. And um, from there, I found support um, through, um, you know, online networks. Like my first, honestly, my very, very first, online social support network was the Pause I Am social network. And so I logged in there and I found others and I found people to chat with. And, um, you know, and then from the Crystal Math Anonymous rooms, I found support with outpatient rehabilitation programs in the area. You know, they connected me to these programs. And I was going to those programs, self-admitted, and it just find you know, and and connecting that way. I see that makes wow. sense. So, so here, here's a question that I, I I have for you. I know for me, you know, disclosing that I'm HIV positive was was a difficult thing. How is it to disclose that you also are hepatitis C positive? Does it um, hold the same stigma, or like, how does that like weigh out against each other? I think there's more stigma uh, uh, announcing or saying that you're Hep C positive because a lot of people know about HIV. A lot of people don't know about hepatitis C. They don't know that you know hepatitis C can be cured. There is a cure to hepatitis C. People don't know that, um, you know, with early detection, your chances of curing hepatitis C are better, even though science is improving and new medicines are coming out and even chronic, you know, hep C people are able to be cured, you know, now and will be. But um, there's more stigma associated with telling people your hep C diagnosis than there is HIV is what I found. What do you think, Jeremy? And, well, I, I haven't really found that. I mean, Pepsi is, 
you know, I, I think anytime you you come out with a um, what is perceived as a sexually transmitted disease, people look at you funny. People will treat you differently um, versus when you say, well, now I have cancer, let alone that the cancer came from the HPV virus, right? Or, you know, it's cancer has a very different connotation than hep C or HIV. And I think that's because of how... Um, how it was not just the transmission, but I think that's how it's been perceived for so long. Um, that you know, you had to do something dirty to get it. You had to do, you had to have sex, unprotected sex. You had to be an IV drug user. You, you know, those are the things that were that that stuck with both Hep C and with HIV, and and that and that's sad. That's too bad. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. and in the other thing, and I and I typed this in into the chat chat room, is that um, I don't know if people are aware, but Hep C is now the leading cause of death among people who are co-infected with HIV and hepatitis mm-hmm. A. Fifty percent more. Yes. Yes. It, yes. Exactly. So you know, it's if you have hepatitis C, get treatment. Right. Find out what your genotype was. What was your genotype, Kevin? Do you remember? I was, uh, so my genotype was genotype 1A. It was the most common and yep. the least the least curable at the time. That's what I have. Because, I have genotype right. 1A. So when I found out two years ago, they said to me, here are your options. You co- they said that I caught the hepatitis C in the acute phase. They couldn't be certain. They can't tell you you've got this acutely. But they felt in my instance, yeah, they felt in my instance that I did catch it acutely. So my cure rate went from 15%. If you have genotype 1A, your cure rate with interferon and ribavirin, the the generic, you know, the generic uh, prescription is 15%. Though if you catch it in the acute phase early on, within six months, your cure rate goes from 15% to 85% plus. So, you know, I went with that and I said, you know what? I trust you, doctor. I trust that you you think that I caught this in the acute phase and I am going to start treatment right away. And I did. And that leads into the whole six months of treatment with Hep C and how I ultimately cured it. But, um, you know, today the treatments are are getting better, and there are so many medicines in the pipeline that are less toxic and um, more more uh, curative, if that's the right word. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, there's there's this new uh, triple therapy that hasn't been approved by the FDA yet. yet. It's um, it's the same ribavirin, um, interferon, and a protease inhibitor. Mm-hmm. Um, so but it's like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It hasn't yeah it hasn't been approved yet by the FDA. So um, 
there are, some of the liver specialists can't even get their patients into the ther- into the uh, study. So you have to go to an infectious disease doctor who who right. does studies um, to get right. into the trial. So, and I mean, this is something I monitor. It's yeah, that's that's one study you're talking about, and it, it, what it includes is uh, interferon ribavirin plus another drug on top of that, which is a protease inhibitor called right. teleprevir or bocepravir. There's two of them. Yep. So and there's like also triple. Think, yeah, yeah, it's a tri- it's the triple therapy, and yeah. there's also some um, uh, there's some thinking and some evidence that supports that um, those who are co-infected with both HIV and hepatitis C, mm-hmm. um, that if you are on HIV medicine alone, HIV therapy mm-hmm. alone, and that seems to hold the HIV, the HCV virus, the hepatitis C virus, kind of at bay. bay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of research coming out, and what's really interesting is people who are co-infected, where once they may have had little to no hope of curing their hep C, now they can actually have a little bit of hope because right now um, Gilead and uh, BMS, Bristol-Myers Squibbs, they have, they each have a component, they each have a medicine that has shown in clinical trials to be 100% curative in people with hep C, even people with chronic and so those two uh, pharmaceutical companies, you know, Gilead and BMS, have the most promising hepatitis C drugs out there right now. And, and, um, and if they would just work nicely together. Right. So that seems to be holding it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't have an allegiance to any uh, drug company or pharma company, but I will tell you that... Right. Um, the almighty dollar, the almighty profit margin always wins in these arguments. It's true. And, and, you know, in the end, I think they will, you know, come to some sort of agreement. And, um, you know, I think in the end that's, it's called GS, like 9777 is the name of the combo that, yeah, um, yeah. Wiping out, wiping out, you know, HCV. So I yeah. think in the end, hopefully, they'll come to some sort of agreement. Um, but, but whereas HIV used to be a huge cause of death, just last month it was announced from the CDC that more, more people are dying from hepatitis C than they are HIV. That's right. And um, That's right. yeah, and it's 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I just wanted to remind our listeners that we are at the bottom of the hour. I can't. Believe, I mean, we have been. We, we we're talking with Kevin Maloney. He's sharing his story here on Pause AM Radio, and um, uh, Kevin, I know we've been talking. We've taken a lot of time talking about hepatitis C. Uh, I want to kind of 
switch gears just a little bit, um, again, back to the HIV portion of this uh, discussion. Where, how are you now with the HIV? I mean, it's been 10, ten years. <laughs> it feels like it. Let me tell you. It's been two years since your diagnosis. It's been two years since um, you have been on medication. It's been two years since you left your meth habit behind. How are you today? Uh, today, you know, my um, my CD4 count, it took forever. You know, and, and, and I hate coming, you know, forgive me for coming back to the hep C diagnosis, but the interferon and the ribavirin that I was on for six months, I was on for 24 weeks, um, basically it depletes your immune system. It's almost interferon, you know, for people that don't know, is, 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 is similar to a very low dose of chemotherapy. And it's something that I had to inject to my stomach once a month or once a week for six months. And it depleted my immune system. So it took me about one year before my immune system started to regenerate and my CD4 count started to um, rise. So at one point, my CD4 count was 240-something. Today, my CD4 count is sitting at 400, in the mid-400s, and I'm undetectable. And I have been since starting medicine. Um, So, you know, I feel good today. You know, my my CD4 count is sitting in the mid-400s. My viral load is undetectable. I feel pretty good. And And, um, what do they say about your um, HCV today? The HCV, what winds up happening is, and and people don't know this, but your HCV can be cured. And they they consider a cure if after six months you stop, if after six months of use, of treatment so you know I stopped treatment I don't know when it was like a year and a half ago six months later after I stopped hep C treatment my hep C was undetectable as you know you hear that with HIV my HCV was undetectable and they consider that a cure so if after you've stopped treatment and six months after, you are still undetectable. They consider your hepatitis C cured, and people don't know that. And it's and it's it's a term that's been been around just for about maybe a year and a half, two years. It was brought up at Croy, uh, you know, the international conference on retroviral, blah 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 you know, a couple of years ago, and um, they brought this up, that patients who test undetectable six months after they stop treatment are considered to be cured. So I cannot give anyone my hepatitis C. You know, it's kind of like syphilis. 
Do they What's still that? test you? Do they still test for HIV? I mean, uh, hepatitis C on you? Do they uh, still, still look for the virus at all, or have they stopped um, testing? They stopped testing for it. And only if I tell them of risk behaviors, I can become reinfected. I can't find, like, it's not like cancer. I can't become, I can't become, like, spontaneously reinfected. Like cancer, cancer can come back. Hepatitis C can't come back. But you can become reinfected if you're in that risk behavior. Right. Um, real quick, I just want to open up the phone lines for people to call in. We have 20 minutes left of the show. So if you want to call in, if you have a question or a comment for Kevin, uh, you can reach us here at 347-215-9442 um, and press the one button so we know you want to come on and, and speak with us live here on the show. Um, Kevin, one thing I want to talk about is since the last time I believe you've been on the show, you created Rise Up to HIV. Can you give us um, a, a brief description of what that's all about? You know, Rise Up to HIV started off as like a personal platform to tell my story, to connect with others. And, you know, it blossomed over the past couple of years into like an advocacy platform. It blossomed into an uh, information, you know, gateway. It plus, you know, it, it, it took on a life of its own over the past couple of years. So, you know, it's it's just been a project of mine that I hold really close to my heart and that I'll continue to promote and and, you know, will keep on, you know keep, you know, keep on with with the ideas and the that I have, um, there's a lot in the pipeline that I can't really say right now, but there's more to it than uh, there has been. So right, but there's a really cool that. blog that people can go there and get information um, about HIV and hepatitis C, um, and you know people can go to that, and that is what riseuptohiv.blogspot.com. Yeah, and. You know, mostly right now I, I, I post everything to my Facebook account. So okay. if you just go onto Facebook and you do Rise Up to HIV, you'll, you'll find the page and that connects you to the Twitter account. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of people with, like, magazines out there and with websites, and I don't have the know-with-all to create a website. I'm not creative, you know, to create a website. So I basically just have a Twitter account and, you know, disseminate information, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. So people can also follow you on Twitter at Rise Up to HIV or look for you on Facebook at the same place. And you'll definitely find good information. And we'll link it on the radio show page. Um, as we're waiting for uh, some people to call in, um, I also want to ask you about um, the hashtag HIV thing that you, the events that you have on Facebook, uh, we'll put the links in there so people can get to that. But tell us about um, this project that you're working on or this campaign. You know what? Uh, it was a few months ago, and I thought to myself, never before has the hashtag HIV or AIDS trended on Twitter, you know? And I've been on Twitter for the past, like, two and a half years. I've never seen it trend. And I was like, 
you know, why? You know, and and we have a great opportunity to make that happen during the International AIDS Conference. So that was my simple idea was just let's try and trend HIV AIDS. And what turned into a very simple idea turned into a very uh, unique idea with multiple people involved in ensuring and making sure that HIV AIDS becomes a trend on Twitter, but not only becomes a trend, but is basically reigniting the conversation on HIV AIDS. And so what came from a very simple idea has arisen to something much greater than anyone could have ever expected. And where can people go to find information about that? If you go onto Twitter and you uh, you type in hashtag HIV, so uh, at hashtag HIV on Twitter, you'll find uh, the Twitter account, and attached to that Twitter account is the event that people can go to and sign up and say that, yes, I will be a part of this campaign. I will tweet during the International AIDS Conference and I understand the importance of trending this topic and keeping the trend in motion. So um, just go to hashtag HIV on on Twitter, and um, you can also find it under the Rise Up to HIV name on Facebook as well. Yeah, no, I think it's important, and, and I want you to mention some of the other people um, who are working on this campaign with you because they're an incredible set of people. Um, Jeremy and I are also sure. involved in this campaign, and that's why we're we're so passionate about it because this conversation needs to be started mm-hmm. up again, and, and we need to talk about it. So who are some of the other people who are a part of this hashtag HIV team? Well, it's great that Jeremy, that you and Jeremy are part of it. Um, Daniel Bauer, um is, oh yeah, Daniel Bauer. Yes, yes, our he's uh, friend. Yes, the magician. What is he? A magician, a skate artist, right? And <laughs> illusionist. He loves to be called an illusionist. Uh, illusionist. Yes, yes. That's that's the word. He was at Napa during Napa the conference in um, where was that? Now we were all there. I forget the Dallas. The, 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 Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, did an amazing show. Um, you know, just survival and triumph and just, you know, just completely amazing. So you, Jeremy, um, Daniel, um, we've got, um, who else is on board? We've got Aaron from St. Louis, who's just like a YouTube phenomenon and who's doing great things on YouTube. Um, Aaron Lackton. Aaron Lackton, Aaron Lackton. yeah, that's right. who it is. Yep. My HIV um, journey on YouTube. That's right. And um, Michelle Anderson, um, and she was, what was she? She is. Me. She was. She is. She, she is. She is. Plus America. Right. Miss, Miss, yes. So um, she's missed, she's uh, a plus size woman, and um, and uh, uh, she is she's a beauty queen and and I don't know if Michelle's listening right now, but I got to tell you, 
I have the opportunity to uh, make out with Michelle, but hey, <laughs> we won't be talking about that on this show. But Michelle knows what I'm talking about. Kevin, you be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, she gave me a free bracelet as I was leaving the Napa Aww. I have her bracelet. I, I have one too. I don't. What can I do with this? Oh, oh, oh! It's in my it's in my keepsake box actually, and I wear it out to special occasions. So what? So basically, what um, the we also um, we didn't mention um, Mitch as well from um, Texas is involved in this. There's incredible people. Uh, there's going to be more to come um, about this campaign uh, on a future show, and also you'll hear more about it on Facebook and Twitter as it comes. But what the campaign is actually asking everybody to do is, this is the first actual ever um, HIV AIDS Awareness Month this June, as we spoke about before, um, and what we're trying to do is get people when you tweet about HIV or AIDS, you use the hashtag. You use the pound sign HIV to make it a link so people are involved in the conversation and people can follow it. And that's how we're going to make it trend on Twitter. So as you talk about it, use the hashtag. It's very, very important. And when you actually go to follow the campaign on Twitter, you want to actually follow at the word hashtag HIV, and you'll find it simply. Or just go to the Pause Radio Show, and you'll see links to it. I think uh, we have a caller, so let me bring the caller on the air. You're on the air with us. Who's this? Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hi. It's Daniel. <laughs> I recognize that. Hello. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. How are you this evening? We are. We, how, are you? Good. how are you, Mr. Illusionist? I'm doing well after being called an illusionist. I can't believe you guys said that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, uh, I actually uh, am calling because I have a question for Kevin. Kevin, first of all, I want to say thank you for bringing all of us activists together, myself, Robert, Jeremy, Aaron, uh, Ms. Plus America, Michelle Anderson, um, and yourself together to really, uh, really kick off and reignite this at hashtag HIV campaign. Uh, so as one of the activists who are, who are one of the core members, I'm asking everyone who's listening, if you have a Twitter account, please follow at hashtag HIV, all spelled out to support it. Um, Kevin, I'm just curious, uh, um, you know, what, uh, what is – I guess, what is it that we can do? What is it that I can do better as an activist? What is it these other activists can do better to help promote at hashtag HIV? What are some things that we can do to bring a greater awareness to this? Because I think it's a brilliant idea on your part. So I would love to hear some creative input from you. Well, you know what? Um, I was uh, filling out a like, dating profile most recently. Um, and in it, I said, I'm sorry, but um, I talk about HIV a lot, you know. <laughs> it's basically on my mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So whether it's through work, you know, the work that I do, um, whether it's through my personal uh, time that I that I devote to HIV, HIV is on my mind consistently. So I think that as... For all of us that are involved in this campaign, you know, core members or not core members, people who are just learning about it or who are, you know, part of it, you know, as long as HIV is on your mind, I think it's a topic that deserves attention. So, you know, when you're at the coffee shop and someone's looking at you in a different way or you're you know, and sipping your coffee just, you know, normally. I don't know. It's just 
I think just to keep in mind that HIV is a continuing a continual uh, thought. You know, I for me it's a continual thought. You know, throughout the day, it's always on my mind, and whenever I have a chance to tweet about it or put it on Facebook through a you know status update or or trended because of a, some sort of topic, I talk about it. So I think for any of us, you know, just just uh, keeping that, you know, conversation going is, is important. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I'll, I'll leave that as my question. And uh, Jeremy, Robert, you guys are doing great. Awesome show on the Hep C stuff tonight. I learned a lot. Thanks for well, calling thanks, in, Daniel. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Daniel. Oh, really cool. and, and in some circles, we call him Daddy Daniel. <laughs> but we'll leave that alone, too. Anyway. Anyway. So, so <laughs> God, where am I going with this conversation? <laughs> so, 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 Kevin, um, you know, you created Rise Up to HIV. You're now doing the, the hashtag. I know you just recently um, moved to D.C. for a job. How is that working out? What exactly is it that you do there in D.C.? Because I know that's related to, you know, the HIV field. So let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. I love my job. You know, um, you know, two years ago when I was diagnosed with HIV, I was working for American Express. And... I was working in a call center atmosphere uh, with a little bit more responsibility. I was a corporate travel manager. Um, I was diagnosed, and at the same time I was diagnosed, I was dealing with a substance abuse issue, and uh, I decided to um, go out to Minnesota. Minnesota is home to the Pride Institute, and they're an all-LGBT rehabilitation, you know, drug rehab program. So for 32 days, I went out to um, Minnesota, and, you know, it's it's where I came to terms with my diagnosis of HIV, my diagnosis of hep C, and it's where I picked up tools to curb my um my addiction to crystal meth uh and other addictions at the time um I came back from there you know rejuvenated re energized um determined to to cure the hep C to go through the treatment I did all that um I wound up going to a conference in in d c it was uh, the ADAP uh, conference about a year and a half, two years ago. ADAP Advocacy Association, they held a conference. There were about 10,000 people on a wait list to get their medications, their HIV medications, and um, that bothered me and uh, made me really upset that there are 10,000 Americans that are waiting for their HIV meds. I found this conference. I was invited to it. I went to it. I made many contacts. I stayed in touch. I stayed in contact with those contacts. And um, at the end of my unemployment, just 
about a couple weeks before my unemployment was to run out, I was connected to an organization where I work now, and uh, we advocate for people living with HIV, AIDS, and hepatitis C, and my main responsibility is, you know, keeping track of the AIDS drug assistance programs throughout the country, and and helping to ensure that people who are diagnosed with HIV, AIDS, and or hepatitis C have comprehensive access to the med- to treatment and the medicine they need to remain alive and healthy. So that's what I do now. I went from corporate travel management to becoming diagnosed with HIV and hep C to becoming an HIV AIDS advocate. Um, and I couldn't, you know, I, I love my job. I love what I do. I love connecting with, yeah, yeah. I think it's incredible what you do, Kevin. Um, you know, um, you, you talk about, um, you know, your previous meth addiction, and obviously, you know, I've talked about it before on the show. It's something that I've dealt with. And, you know, it's something that we talk about a lot because a lot of, um, you know, gay men use meth when having sex and, a lot of times um, it is a result of HIV infection because it clogs our brains into thinking different ways. And I think it's something that we will continue to talk about as in next week our, our guest, Michael Lloyd, will be speaking about meth as well because that's something that he struggles with. So it's something that we continually will talk about because it's always going to be an issue. And I think awareness around that is important as well. As well. We're actually down to the last two minutes, and I am shocked that it flew by so quickly. Um, Kevin, is there any advice that you would give to somebody who is newly diagnosed maybe today or maybe has a meth problem and is listening to this show for the first time? What would you say to them? Well, I think what I would say is that, you know, you know, don't give up hope that, um, you know, there are other people dealing with the same addictions that you are dealing with, the same diagnosis that you are dealing with. Google is your greatest resource. And if you're dealing with a meth addiction, Google Crystal Meth Anonymous, you know, um, and Google AIDS Drug Assistance Programs. You know, Google Google is your is your best friend, and um, you know, you know, I've made it two years. You know, I've not done Crystal Meth, and my HIV is under control. I've cured the Hep C. So there's there's hope out there for anyone listening, and um, you just have to take a very proactive um, role in your in your in your healthcare and and and, and listen to others. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you taking the time out to join us this evening on Pause Iron Radio. You're an amazing man, and I think your work is incredible. And I can't wait to help make HIV trends on Twitter. So everybody go to ha- at hashtag HIV on Twitter. You can find more information on Kevin Maloney. Um, just search Rise Up to HIV either on Twitter or on Facebook. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us and have a great night. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jeremy and Robert. Thanks, have a good night. Yes. I had a great time. Thank you. All righty, then. And you can find more information on Jeremy Dunn by going to PositivelySpeaking.com and more information on myself and the radio show by going to pauseim.com. Next week we'll be speaking um, 
with a gentleman out of Orlando uh, named Michael who will be sharing his story about living with HIV and overcoming meth addiction. Please join us next week and submit your uh, photo and make sure when you tweet you're using the hashtag HIV. Have a great night, everyone. Jeremy, I'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.